You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. My name is Tanner Smith. I am your host today, joined by my friends, Lance Lawson, Church on Wednesday campus pastor. Hey, Lance. Hey. Thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Mark Carden, executive pastor, among other roles that you have uh, at Clear Creek. So grateful for both of you. Mark, say hey. Hey, thanks, for, being, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I asked both of you guys <clears throat> to do this podcast, specifically talking today about mentorship among men. And the reason I asked you is because you live it. <clears throat> both of you, I've observed, uh, live mentorship. So today, I'm excited to pick your brains and just talk about what it looks like uh, to mentor and to be mentored uh, as a man, um, specifically within the context of faith. So thank you for joining me. And um, I, I, where I want to start, actually, is I, I want to read just a, a quick verse that I think will kind of help set a, set a framework for us. And then I'm gonna, we're going to start with a little of the theology around it, and then we're going to get super nuts and bolts practical. Great. Is that cool? Yep. Good. All right. So thanks, everybody, for joining. Let's jump in. I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It's a short verse, um, but it just says this. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what we have in this verse is essentially the idea of multiplication. Um, I guess the question I want to get started off with is what is the biblical precedent for uh, for mentorship, as we see specifically here, but even kind of throughout the, the the picture or the story of the Bible. Lance, could you kick us off with that? Oh yeah, man. You you think about story of the Bible, you can go all the way back to the early pages of Genesis and pick pretty much any part of the narrative yeah. and see examples of that. Um, it, the easiest one is probably Jesus, twelve disciples, mm. and then even even in that, he had three that he seemed to spend a little more time with and yeah. uh, shepherd differently, spend different time with them and give them different responsibilities. And so uh, even from our Savior, we see that modeled. But what uh, Paul's saying here to Timothy is uh, that continues. It wasn't just something for Jesus to do. It wasn't just something yeah. that happened way back in the ancient Israel timeline. It's something that God has designed for all of humanity. Yeah. And calls the church to do as well, specifically within the context of the church, multiplication is a big deal. So, uh, Mark, would you just talk for a second about even the value that we have around that? So we have five values. One of them is kingdom multiplication. Why is that? Yeah, because well, again, that's that's what God tells us to do. Yeah, and so that's the example He's He's got throughout Scripture. Uh, He's mentorship. I would even argue, you know, going back to your first question. Yeah. Uh, I'd even our parenting is a, a form of mentorship. Yeah. And so it, it as uh, Lance said, goes back to the earliest of days mm-hmm. where God created this system. Yeah. And we're to, as Second Timothy says, we're to teach others who will teach others yeah. who will teach others. And that's what we, we say. Yeah. Bruce used to have a, a saying, so sorry, Bruce, I forgot how exactly it went. <laughs> but he ended it with, and don't let it stop with me. Mm. And the whole idea was multiplication. Yeah, it was it was uh, taking that forward, that's teaching good. others. So yeah, that's good. That's helpful. Okay, so if that's sort of the biblical precedent for for multiplication, then I want to ask this question because we're using the term mentorship. I even started us off by saying this is a podcast about mentorship among men. 
And if you haven't listened to it yet, there's a podcast we have out released just before this one. That's a, men- a mentorship around the idea of women as well. But um, we'll get into specifics of how, how this kind of affects men. But before we even do that, I want to define terms a little bit. When I say the word mentor, what most people might think of, maybe they have an example of somebody that's older than them who kind of helped them through in like a professional sense, right? Do you guys have any examples in, in maybe in, more in the worldly sense of like a, a mentor that you've had in life, maybe in previous jobs or something like that? Yeah, I, uh, in business, when, when I was at the accounting firm, yeah. um, a managing partner in our office was a man named Carol Phillips. Uh, still have lunch with him about three times a year. Wow. Uh, Carol's 90 years old, and uh, he he was a mentor to me. And yeah. what that meant was he, he brought me into the accounting firm and taught me, here's what we do, mm. here's how we do it, here's why we do it, and taught me really the culture, taught me how we do things. Yeah. Uh, and taught me kind of the principles of, of what our business was. Hmm. And so that that's one example. And I, I would use that term mentorship uh, was very commonly used in the business world. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. So <clears throat> I use that term primarily because I think a lot of our listeners can identify with that. Somebody that they have known or interacted with, whether it's in the professional realm and in industry, that can kind of mentor them, show them the ropes, just like you said. Um, and then you might even think of that as something that you've done. So if a listener's like, yeah, I'm a little uh, I'm a little older or even not older, but I found somebody that's younger than me that I kind of am pouring into. So going back to the original question around kind of the, the biblical theology around mentorship, when we say mentor, looking at that from a gospel perspective, more of a holistic all-of-life perspective— what do we typically call that? Yeah, we call that discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the church word that kind of our lingo right. for saying the same thing. Yeah. And maybe even the same thing, but is it would it be to like to a greater degree? Because a lot of times mentorship is sort of a specific. It's specific to, like for that instance, it was mostly specific to yep. where you were working, right? Um, but discipleship is uh, helping people grow and essentially allow the gospel to saturate every area of their life. Right, so it's it's the same, but maybe even in some ways a broader sure. term. Would you say that is that kind of the way that you describe that? Oh, sure. I think it, we're talking about the same practice, but those words are going to bring different things to mind for us. Yeah. Like is what you're saying. So when you hear mentor, you may think business, or I, I even think um, big brothers and big sisters, an organization mm-hmm. where adults will go into a school and yeah. partner with a young person, and so that's the category in my mind for mentoring. But when I hear discipleship. We're, we're talking about the same practice, yeah. but my mind goes to church things, gospel yeah. things, yeah. you know. I think that's helpful only because I think sometimes when people hear the term discipleship or make a disciple, I mean, depending on, you know, their history and their church experience or whatever, their mind goes to something completely different, like yeah. knocking on doors, street evangelism, something like that, which is not necessarily outside of the realm of that, right? But there can be a much more just kind of as you go daily relational aspect of discipleship, which can look a lot like what you may have experienced through mentorship. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, helpful for us to, as we continue. So if you hear us say things like mentorship or discipleship, we're from our perspective and from a gospel kingdom perspective, we're kind of saying essentially the same thing. Yeah. Even, even the term apprenticeship, by the way. I mean, yes. Apprenticeship, uh, especially like in a, a trade uh, type business or trade type um, 
atmosphere. Yeah. So plumbers, electricians, they generally use the term apprentice. And that's really common. Yep. I mean, you worked in construction. Yeah. So you're used to that. Like you're always taking somebody who's less experienced along yep. with you to train them, to teach them. I've brought my kids into doctor's offices a million times and the pediatrician walks in and says, hey, this is so-and-so from, you know, this school or this program or whatever they're going to be observing today. Is that cool? And it's like, th- that's just commonplace yep. everywhere that y- you see that kind of apprenticeship, yeah. that kind of mentorship or what we would call discipleship. Yep. yep. Awesome. Okay. All that now kind of, that's the, the framework is laid for us. Now we're just going to have a great conversation around what does that actually look like in life? And so uh, when we're talking kind of about guys specifically, and even we've even kind of mentioned maybe intergenerationally. So you, older generations mentoring younger generations. Um, does it always have to function like that? There's a question I want to ask, and it's not a loaded question. I want to hear your, your honest opinion, but like, does it always need to be an older person mentoring a younger person, or can that be switched up? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I'll give you one thought. Sure. Uh, first thought is age doesn't really matter. Okay. Uh, it's it, when we're talking about discipleship. So okay. I'm talking about the churchy side yeah. here. Uh, it, it's really spiritual maturity. So uh, there may be a new believer that's 50 years old. Yeah. And a, a younger age-wise believer, 35 years old, but the person's been a, a Christian, a follower of Christ for right. years. Yeah. And they could, I think they could easily mentor, disciple a 50-year-old person. And that dynamic would be probably a little bit different, right? Yes, Some absolutely. of the language that you use, the way that you interact would be different, but that, that still is a, a legitimate means of discipleship and mentorship, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about some of the dynamics then of how it looks among men specifically. And that's the reason that we kind of did two separate podcasts about this. Typically, you don't see as much like a, in maybe at least in this formal sense, like a man discipling a woman or a woman discipling a man. First of all, I mean, we could touch on this just for a sec, but why is that? Yeah, yeah, or is it not? I mean, you can push back on that too. Yeah, I think you could. I just think that there are relational dynamics. Yeah, at play. Um, yeah, I haven't really given any thought to that. Yeah, I well, the reason I ask is because we do have these two separate podcasts around it. Yeah, I think sometimes we can kind of like uh, maybe limit ourselves in terms of the way that we think through that. So. Part of that probably, though, is that sometimes we think about discipleship through the lens of this has to be extremely formal. Like this has to be like you're committing to some some to sit down with somebody every, you know, every day or every or once a week for the next two years or whatever. And if that's a woman, then your wife is going to have some questions. I would. Yeah. <laughs> so just re- as you're talking, something that comes to mind for me is like, w- yeah. you know, in in discipleship, when two people are working together to help the gospel work its way into yeah. your heart and, and, and life, there's an intimacy that comes with that and sure. a vulnerability that just comes with opening your life up. And there are there are just naturally things I'm more comfortable discussing yeah. with another man than I am with another woman that's n- not my wife. Right, for sure. And so I think that's probably got a lot to do with it. Yes, but Absolutely. it's not out, outside of the realms completely. I mean, there are no. interactions you can have. Absolutely. You have people, you know, even that work under your leadership who would say to some sense, you're contributing towards their discipleship, even in, in our church yeah. structure. Um, okay, but you you mentioned two two words uh, earlier and I want to I want to kind of dive into this a little bit. You mentioned the term intimacy and vulnerability. 
these are not uh, <laughs> yeah. super man, quote unquote manly words. Yeah. So what's the dynamic in terms of, of guys mentoring or discipling other guys uh, as it pertains to stuff like that, intimacy, vulnerability, uncomfortability? Yeah. So I think that's a component of the conversation worth having for yeah. us, anybody listening. So if you think about mentoring and whether it's a professional setting or at a school yeah. with a young person, like there seem to be boundaries around that or an apprenticeship in a trade, like that's clear what you're doing. Mm. And I think it's easy for men to get uncomfortable with the idea of discipleship, the things that come go along with discipleship, because yeah. maybe there aren't boundaries around it hmm. that have to do with your job or um, the way you're interacting with another person, yeah. because the gospel really goes everywhere in your life. Yeah, and man, that's that's uncomfortable. It, it, yes. if, if you really are honest with yourself, it's uncomfortable at times for you to really work the gospel into places in your life. It's even more uncomfortable for you to open that up for someone else to mm-hmm. know about. Like, this is what I'm really struggling with. And so it's worth, I think it's worth us talking about this so that men can hear uh, discipleship is important. Intimacy, vulnerability, yeah. opening your life up beyond your trade or your profession or any of that is necessary if you're going to really follow Jesus with all that you are. Man, necessary, yeah, but good. uncomfortable. Yes. Not easy. Yeah. I mean, that that's not most men's natural inclination is like, sure, you can get in into my, my world. You right. know, you can get in my kitchen and like work through my stuff. And I have to be like open and honest and vulnerable about stuff. Why is that? Why do guys have barriers up as it pertains to that? Uh, all, all that generally, in my experience, stems from ego. It's just it's pride. Okay. I, I don't want to open up all of my dirty laundry. Yeah. And so you you try to hide it. So you, you're not vulnerable. Kind of like, I don't need help with this. Yeah. I can do this. I'm admitting weak, weakness if I need help. And guys yeah. don't want to be weak. Yeah. Uh, but it's necessary. Yeah. yeah. It's Definitely. essential. I, I think, though, our culture today, maybe there's something that's different than the past uh, with the way social media works and the way we're all connected online, is um, we we tend to curate our lives so that people mm-hmm. see only parts of who we are, parts yeah. we want them mm-hmm. to see. And so that's just kind of the way our world works. We don't yeah. even think about it uh, because we're naturally wired up to not want to show people the things that we're yeah. embarrassed about or struggle with and all that. And I think... I think that's only worse today. We call that privacy. Yeah, right. <laughs> As and, if it's like yeah. the right thing to yeah. do. Yeah. So I, I think it's even more challenging for us to consider really opening our lives up to someone in real life. Yeah. Uh, when the way our world works is you actually, you don't even show anybody that, you show everybody the good stuff. Yeah. Well, then let's talk about that. So up until now, we've done the classic podcast thing is talking about what we're going to talk about. Now we're going to talk about it. I, I think it's... Uh, one of the most helpful things when you're listening to something like this is like, okay, but what does it actually look like? Yeah. You know, I mean, I hear this all the time. Oh, I should be, I should be discipling others or I should be discipled or whatever, but what can that actually look like? And that's one of the reasons that I, I wanted you two to be a part of this podcast is because I know that that is a practice that is regularly fleshed out in your life. So um, Lance, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what is it, what has it looked like in the past Um for you, we'll start with for you to mentor or disciple others. Give, okay, give me some. And, and this, you can start wherever. I mean, there's probably a million different ways, but just yeah. wh- whatever. I, I can't talk. I don't feel like I can talk about it without going back to how I was taught. Okay, just in in the faith tradition I come from, where where I grew up, it. 
I was mentored. I was discipled. Yeah. And it was just natural that that this was happening. I was being poured into. Hmm. And so I feel like I was taught from a young age to do the same thing, to turn around and like like you said earlier, Bruce's statement, don't let it stop with me. Uh, and so even as a college student, I was leading a group of junior high boys, a small wow. group in the youth group. And uh, w- what's interesting is I, I still am connected to a few of them that occasionally our paths cross. Wow. And, uh, and it's crazy. I was 19 years old, yeah. and I was an idiot. I mean, you know, all of us were dumb at 19, but for whatever... Uh, yeah, Mark was not dumb Yeah, maybe 19, not. Yeah. He, was, he was steady. Uh, but for for whatever reason, I had an impact on these these young men that has stuck with them. And even today, they, they look back on that thankful. Hmm. And I I look back on that thinking like, man, I don't know how I could have positively impacted yeah. them in a way that made a difference. And so... That's beautiful. It started then, but it's just something I've carried on all these years. But that was kind of within the sh- like a church structure. You're saying that was within like a, a student small group, basically. Yep. So you served as a student leader. I did. They were students and you were, you were discipling them in that way. Yep. So that's fantastic. You know, one of the things I think that is interesting about that you mentioned is because that was modeled for you. I don't know if everybody has that story right. or at least can't necessarily identify that in their life. Like if, you know, if a room full of people was asked who discipled you, I wonder if everybody in a room would say like, oh yeah, I know exactly who. I think a lot of people would be like, I don't know. It's kind of a, a conglomeration or maybe nobody at all feels like. So what did that look like for you? What, what set the model of that in your life? Um, my youth pastor okay. just uh, was intentional to pour into me in a way that maybe uh, he, he couldn't have done for everyone, yeah. But I was fortunate enough to hmm. to have that experience, and uh, and then even after that, I think what happened for me is I, I saw the value for it and yeah. the way I got to be exposed to and shaped by different ideas than the home I grew up in and all that. Yeah, that I I began to crave it. So at different points in my life, where uh, I'm going into something new, I, I don't know why this started, but I. Uh, for example, before I got married, I I remember asking men that I respected who were married, uh, what do you know today that you wish you knew when you were in my seat, like mm-hmm. right before you, you were getting married? And then before my first child was born, I did the same thing for men who were fathers. Like, man, what have you learned that I can know today that's going to shape yeah. me at the beginning of this? Uh, and I did the same thing when I left a career and came to work at the church. I went around to Mark and others and said, all right, you've been a pastor for a while. What, wow. what do I need to know that can shape me? And so I I think just for whatever reason that was instilled in me from a young age, and yeah. I've, I've wanted it. Yeah. And as a result, turned around and tried to do that for others. Yeah. Man, that's really good. Okay, so quick question about the way that your, your student pastor discipled yeah. you at that time. Because I think a lot of times we think of that especially from like a full-time ministry perspective, it's like, okay, this person sat down with you and walked through some sort of curriculum. And I think for some people that is the case. Is that what it looked like for you? Or was it more just like it was a lot of Whataburger lunches or like what was what did that actually look like? Time. It, it was all of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, was there structure around uh, how I was being shaped through the scriptures? Yes. Yeah. I remember those things less than I remember... Uh, he he showed up at my basketball game, mm. or um, when in high school my family moved from one house to another, and we had a few weeks of like 
being transient before yeah. the new house we could move into. And I stayed at his house with him and his mm. wife for a week Wow! Uh, because my parents were in with other people. And so mm. it's like, I remember th- the time that I spent yeah. with, with him, really that he spent with me um, that made the difference. So just relational yep. lifetime sharing. Yep. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Um, I'm sure there are plenty more examples of this. You talked a little bit about how you mentored uh, younger students, like when you were a young adult. As you've moved throughout life, um, can you give us a couple more examples? And then, Mark, I'm going to jump to you. But can you give us a couple more examples of ways that you've mentored or poured into other people? Uh, sure. So um, most of the time in, in our time at Clear Creek, Danya and I have led couples, married couples, small groups. Yeah. And what I've tried to do is, uh, and I've done it better in different seasons, but yeah. uh, I remember a time when there was there were two guys in particular in this one group, and I thought, I need to spend more time with them because I see potential hmm. for the way they can grow in, the, in their, not just understanding of the Bible, but the way they follow Jesus. Yeah. And that was at a time where uh, Danya worked more than she does today, and she worked nights. And so a few nights a week uh, after the kids go to bed, I had an empty house basically. Yeah. And so I would invite, invite them over and we would just spend time together hanging out. And I just, I distinctly remember one night, uh, one of the guys, he, he, it had been going on for months and he said, I know what you're doing. <laughs> and it like, caught me off guard. And I, I said, what, what are you talking about? He's like, I, I know what you're doing. Oh my gosh. You're, you're, you're asking me over here on purpose. <laughs> And I was, and I was like, uh, yep. <laughs> "Yes, caught me." I'm not trying to. Yeah, it wasn't like we didn't have a formal at that point <laughs> thing. I was just trying to share my life with just someone. Recognize the intentionality of it. Yeah, and and so that that's an example. That's of awesome. Just a friend from small group that I tried to spend a little more time yeah. with. And I'm and I'm sure to some degree that that time that you guys spent together was largely just good, good conversation. Like it wasn't necessarily right. Again, going back to it wasn't necessarily like a curriculum that you had planned out. Not that anything's wrong with that, right. but it was pretty like, was it fairly informal? Yes. In that case, there was no formality. Yeah. I mean, we we would, uh, we both enjoyed craft beer. And so yeah. we would we would share a beer and a different one each time. And yeah. it was like, it wasn't even, uh, I, I used beer as an excuse to hang out. Yeah. But we just talked about our marriages and our yeah. kids and our work and all that. That's good. It was, it was. Uh, unstructured. Yeah. No, that's so good. Okay. Well, we'll come back to you in a bit, Mark. I want to pan over to you for yeah. a second. So maybe start with, if it's helpful, who who mentored, who discipled you? Like what's, what's your kind of background in that? Yeah. I'm, I've had so many mentors, so many disciplers. That's beautiful. Uh, that's great. Yeah. But, you know, probably, as I mentioned earlier, I think parenting is a form of discipleship or a form of mentorship. Yes. So I, I think my, my parents clearly... Wow were probably the first mentors I remember uh, in in this definition. Yeah. So, you know, my dad taught me how to throw a baseball, taught me how to catch a baseball, th- mm-hmm. taught me how to throw a curveball. Th- um, and then my, my coaches taught me how to field the ball and how to hit the ball. And, how, yeah. and all that I consider mentorship. Yes. They're spending time with me, teaching me what they know, yeah. what they've experienced. And so that happened all through – school, mm-hmm. you know, uh, basketball and high school and, and all that stuff. On the discipleship, on the church side of it, uh, like Lance, I had a guy, uh, a guy named Glenn Parrott, who w- 
was our, uh, we called him an activities director. We had a, a gym at the, the church I grew up in. Yeah. And he was responsible for all the activities in that gym. Well, he just brought me in. He let me work for him. Hmm. Uh, I hung out with him. We would play basketball and roller skates and do, <laughs> That's awesome. do Sounds stuff. terribly dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Go to Shakey's Pizza and have, have pizza in the summer. And so it was just spending time. Yeah. It, it wasn't, he didn't have a, okay, lesson today is this. Right. It was just spending time. So I got to hang out with a Christian young guy who was probably mid-20s. Yeah. And I, I was, it was probably from my age of about 13 to 16. Yeah. And I just got to see what that, that looked like. And it, there was, there was nothing in my mind where I'm thinking, oh, this guy's discipling me. Yeah. Right. We're just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, but it's a 25 year old guy hanging out with, with yeah. me. Why would he do that? Yeah. Well, now I kind of understand that. Yeah. Um, you know, and then as, as I got older, got out of college uh, you know, Bruce and I and Lisa and Susan, we met uh, 37 years ago, and then that became an, another discipling uh, time in my life. Yeah. Bruce and Susan, I think, discipled Lisa and I for for years, and again, there, w- there was no plan, Yeah. even though we, we did do small group together, mm-hmm. uh, but there was no plan when we hung out. It was just, we hung out. Yeah. And we, Friendship. Yeah. And we we watched each other, and we... We learned from each other, yeah. and we challenged each other, and all that stuff. Yeah, that's good. And so that's uh, that's that's been really throughout my adult life. Yeah, uh, through small group interactions and just through relationships. Mm. Um, probably the probably the a little different. Lisa and I did a specific discipling type. Uh, event at our house for a number of years. Okay, I want you to t- talk a little bit about that, because I've heard okay. about this, and it sounds amazing. So yeah, tell us a little bit yeah, about it. you got to ask the people who went to it if it was amazing or <laughs> yeah, not. Well, I have. That's yeah. the reason yeah. I know about it. Uh, so we just decided, really felt like God was, was saying, you need to spend time with some young couples and talk about these three topics. Talk about marriage, parenting, and finances. Okay. And so we developed a very uh, short quick, uh, not, not really even curriculum, just bullet points of here's, here's some bullet points on marriage Yeah, and I'm going to read them to you. Then let's just talk about them mm. as couples. Yeah. And we'd have four to six couples at our house once a week That's for awesome. four weeks. And we would talk about these things. Uh, it, it had a name, right? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Supper with the Cardins, or dinner with the Cardins, I, I think that. is what we called it. I love that. Um, and w- we haven't resumed that after we yeah. moved and then after COVID. That's something I, I want to re- uh, yeah. restart. Yeah. Uh, so I hope we can uh, in the near future. Well, now you have accountability because there's hundreds, right. hundreds of people listening to this podcast. <laughs> <That's> right. <so. laughs> well, you know, sign up Google Doc yeah, right. exactly. if you want to join. Yeah. yeah, go to markcardin.org. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you guys better ask me to yeah. hold me accountable. But... Uh, it, again, it it was primarily just hanging out and talking about these topics. Yeah, and that's uh, that for me is uh, is much better than a one two three yeah plan. Well, that's really good too because again, what we want to be careful not not to do is to draw this hard line between like, well, yeah, you know, my kind of the the all of life mentorship, you know, in my job and stuff. Like, but then I got like the you know the Jesus stuff. Yep. 
what we believe about the gospel is that it's supposed to, you said it earlier, like it's supposed to infiltrate every aspect of your life. Yep. So when you're talking about making a disciple or helping someone to be disciple, to grow in their discipleship, ultimately their discipleship to Jesus, you're talking about the formation of their marriages, of their finances, of their family life, of their relationships, of the way that they work, like of all of these things, all these different aspects about the way that following Jesus fleshes itself out in their everyday life. So that that's amazing. Um, for For both of you, question, whoever can go first. Um, At this stage in your life, so we've talked a lot about past. At this stage in your life, who, I mean, who's mentoring you or who disciples you? Yeah. Go ahead. Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually think probably all of our pastors disciple me. Yeah. Um, because I, I learn stuff from all of our guys. Mm. And so when we hang out, we, we try to have lunch a couple of times a month. Yeah. Uh, when we hang out and talk about things, I, I, I'm definitely discipled in some of those moments. Yeah. Um, you know, in my small group, um, I, I don't consider my small group of I disciple all you. It is we disciple each other. Yeah, that's good. And so I, I hear from those the men in that group and the women in that group, and they, they disciple me. Yeah. Um, so I would say today at 60, almost five, yeah. it's, that's where my discipleship comes from. That's amazing. Well, it's even just amazing to hear you say at 65, you're being discipled. Because I think to some degree, people could think like at a certain age or at a certain level of spiritual maturity, which I consider you a very spiritually mature person, people could say like, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly just focusing all my time on discipling other people. And we have to recognize the need we, we will always have yes. on this side of the kingdom for discipleship. Absolutely. Um, yep. So it's cool to hear you say that. What about you, Lance? Uh, similar in yeah. that we we really do get to live out this unique yeah. opportunity to work at a church, yeah. and not just a church, but one like ours that's uh, got a team approach to everything. Right. And so we really sh- uh, genuinely share our lives with one another, yeah. and uh, that is a good gift. And so yeah. I realize that when we get to talk about that, right. it, there's p- people listening that think how lucky we yeah. are. And that's true. We're yeah. lucky, but, uh, I, I so I want to acknowledge that. No, um, that's good. Uh, so in, in our working relationship, we have some of that built in, uh, also with my small group who are like age wise peers, mm-hmm. uh, we're all kind of in the same stage of life. Uh, I would say I have, uh, a, the same mentality. We are growing together, yeah. discipling one another. And even, even inside of that, like, uh, I, I have just a few close friends that I spend quite a bit of time with. And I can't tell you the way they influence my life and the way I follow Jesus is invaluable. And I could yeah. never quantify that. I could yeah. never say like, oh, this is how that happens. Yeah. It's just day in and day out, regular influence over me. Yeah. Um, in the way I follow Jesus. Yeah. So earlier you said this, uh, I think it's, it is super helpful. People are listening to this going, okay, but these are two pastors. Yeah. Like this is what they live. They, they live, they live and work around other pastors that they, their job is literally to make disciples. So what does this look like in my life? What we could talk about that a bit and, I, and we will. My hope is that what we see even, and what I'm seeing even through talking to you guys um, is the, the trellis, so we use this language trellis and a vine. A trellis is just a structure that allows the growth of the vine to happen. So the structure 
uh, in your life that allows the spiritual growth and spiritual formation of discipleship to happen at its most natural actually is kind of just, is kind of small group, right? Yeah, like yeah. small group serves that purpose. That's what we, that's what we would hope in terms of uh, the spiritual formation of our churches that people would be in small group because it provides kind of the best opportunity for discipleship to happen naturally. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have something to say on that. No, you're not allowed. You're not yeah. Allowed. I'm, so the, I'm just kidding. The, the first small group that we joined at Clear Creek was Mark and Lisa's small group. Before I worked here, uh, we, we were just attenders. And so we got in their small group and had that very experience. Yeah. But even beyond that, I don't, I don't know if you remember this or not, but this is 14 years ago. Mark invited me once a week to meet him in the office. We, we would meet really early before I had to be at work at construction sites. Huh. And uh, we, we, we shared our life, but we memorized scripture together. Interesting. And so Mark, Mark had this like uh, layout of Bible verses and we would memorize a couple a week and we would pray together. Wow. And I, I mean, I remember fondly those days Absolutely. and still remember the passages we memorized. Mm. Uh, how how they, they like, well, but <laughs> Mark doesn't not, even not all that. of them because there was a lot because we did it for a long time. But uh, but f- some of them have stuck with me. Um, and so I I worked in project management for a construction company at the time. Yeah, and made time early in the morning to meet with Mark. Yeah, it, that wasn't something we did at small group. That wasn't something that happened because I worked at a church. That was Mark being intentional mm. to invite me into this, and it influenced me in ways that I still think about. Which I, I think that's the key word. Uh, it doesn't matter where you work. Yeah. You have to be intentional if you want to be mentored or discipled. That's good. Or if you want to mentor or disciple. Yeah. Because um, it isn't, in most cases, it doesn't just naturally happen. Yeah. You've got to put yourself in position for it to happen. Yeah. And so so be intentional. You know, as Lance said, he, he pursued guys mm. to hang out with. Um, so, uh, we, we've got to do, we've got to, to live with that type of intentionality yeah. if we want to grow in our faith, uh, in that, de- that degree. So Mark, would you say if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, that, that's great. Um, but nobody's, nobody's discipling me. Like I'm just kind of out here doing it on my own. Nobody's approached me or whatever. What, what you're saying, I don't put words in your mouth, but are you saying if you're not being discipled, that's not necessarily up to somebody else to choose. Like that's on you. You need to put yourself out there or ask. Is that what you're saying? I, I think it's both. Okay. I, I think yeah. I think as believers, yeah. the Great Commission says go yep. and make disciples. Yes. Well, it, it doesn't say go and make disciples of somebody that comes to you. Yeah. It just says go and make disciples. So I think it's both of those. Yeah. Um but you, on the other side, you you can't just sit back on the couch and wait for somebody to to call you and say, "Hey, you want to come be disciple?" Yeah. Um, so you got to pursue that. I, long time ago, and I don't remember if it was Neil Cole or it, it was some author I read, and they said everybody should have have really three really discipling type, mentoring type relationships. Yeah. Um, you should pursue a Paul. Okay. So an older person to disciple you, pour into you. Someone who's more mature in the faith than yep. you are. Yeah. You should be a Barnabas. Yeah. You should be a peer. You should hang out with guys, as yeah. Lance described earlier, and just share life with them. Mm. And then you should uh, train a Timothy. Yeah. You should, there should be somebody you're pouring into. Um, and those three relationships, I think, again, you got to be intentional to have them. But 
those are essential. Gosh, that's good. And in, in growing in your faith, I think. Man, that is so good. Okay, so then what you what you guys are both sitting here saying is that this is not just like a nice uh, idea or additive to whatever you have going on in your life. You're saying that this is actually like essential, that this is a biblical mandate. Yeah. So what you're saying is every single per- the idea is every single person in our church should be discipling someone and be being discipled. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's a way of life. Yeah. Um, a couple of things come to mind uh, for me. I talked about this. So for those that don't know, those that are close and go to the congregation I get to pastor know yeah. just the things I've been through over the last year and a half, the, uh, recently had surgery. But what I talked about in the last sermon I preached before that surgery was the impact that community has had mm. in my life over uh, the last year and a half as I've suffered in ways I, I never knew I would. Yeah. Uh, the benefit that I got to live with, that, that benefit of community, didn't just happen by itself. Yeah, I've gone to this church for 14 years. Mm. I've lived in this city most of my life. I have people in, like, this has been a lifelong thing that, that now over the last year and a half, when I've been going through this and my family's been suffering as a result of my suffering, that people have stepped up. And so it has been an intentional investment. And so that's kind of like uh, part of the broader conversation around community, but discipleship and mentoring, all the things we're talking about have played into that. And Mm. so it has been an investment that I've made and that others have made in me to be able to have all of that. And it's like just just through what I've gone through very recently, those uh, I've been able to cash those chips, yep. if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the return on that investment. Right. Yep. Yes. I, that I didn't, I didn't really know I was making wow. in, in the way that it played out. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, okay. So diagnostic test. This is for the, list, for the listeners of this going like, yeah, totally. I think all that stuff is good. You know, it's the like, oh, yeah. wow, yeah, that's oh, what Mark said was just really, you know, whatever. Okay, how do we check our own lives? Am I being discipled? Do I have somebody? Like, what are some of the markers of that? Because I think sometimes we can just take it for granted. Say, well, I'm in small groups, so it's just naturally happening. Is it for sure happening? Like, what would you tell somebody if they said, how do I know if that, you know, if it's just natural, like, how do I even know if it's happening? What am I looking for? Yeah, I'll throw out one that I think uh, you can use to help yeah. Identify that, and uh, you know, are you are you ever challenged? Hmm. Are you ever challenged on what you believe? Yeah. Are you ever challenged on how you behave? Are you ever challenged on how you think or what you think? Yeah. Um, are you ever challenged on how you treat your wife or how you treat your friends or how you treat your kids? So, uh, I think challenge is a big deal for me. It's really helpful as evidence of some discipling is going on here. Wow. That's super helpful. Yeah. Um, As you asked the question, a very similar thing came to mind. I I can pinpoint uh, a handful of times where the guys in my life who were, who were those discipling me, whether they were, uh, I can think of cases where it's like a peer. And then another case where it was someone who I looked to for years I was older and wiser than me, where they actually came, they saw something in my life that caused them to speak up mm-hmm. and say, I'm, I, I want you to know that I see this about you. And I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but it, it wouldn't be fair for me not to say something. Yeah. And those have been among the most impactful 
course-correcting moments of my life wow. when, mm-hmm. when somebody did that. So yeah. I was challenged. I was, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, Again, that's hard to receive. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> dude, when, when you're sitting at a restaurant over lunch and somebody <laughs> tells you something and it, it kind of rocks you and yeah. you're like, and you, but you know it's true. Yeah. You know it is. You know that it's true. And it, yeah, it messes with you a little Gosh. bit. But my life is better today and I'm closer to Jesus mm-hmm. today because those men were brave enough to say that thing. Yeah. And it all happened because of our intentionality around the way we follow Jesus together. Right. And again, that's not something that, that I started on day one and happened on day two. Yeah. This is from a lifelong investment. Okay, so reverse question then. What would your life look like if you didn't have mentorship or discipleship in any way, form, or fashion in your life? Yeah. Just so got, Just got really sad in here yeah. for a second. <laughs> no, so so let me... Uh, let me address one other thing that I think is critical yeah, in discipling, and then I'll go to what will my life look like. Yeah. Because um, discipleship should not always be challenge. Okay. It shouldn't always be yeah. pointing out, hey, here's Flaws. here's something that you need to think about changing. Uh, it's got to be it's got to be paired with encouragement, mm-hmm. and um, and helping guys see, hey, man, you're you're doing a great job with. Yeah. Fill in yep. the blank. And uh, because one without the other, it's not going to last long. Yeah. And it's not going to be very fruitful. Yeah. Um, so what will my life be like if I if I was never discipled or, or am not being discipled? Yeah. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, I, I'm going to be um, stunted. Hmm. Uh, I'm not, I, I just can't, you can't grow to the extent without discipleship yep. to the extent you can grow with discipleship. Yep. You maybe can't grow. It could be said you can't grow at all. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I, th- I think I think God's bigger than that. You know, I think he, yeah. he can grow you without somebody else doing that. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think it's – God's created us to live in community. Yes. So I do think it's easier. Yeah. And I think, I think God uh, wants us yeah. to be in that community and to disciple – and encourage and mm. challenge each other. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, along those lines, uh, I I feel like there there are things I've seen in others who the way they're living their life, the way they're following Jesus, the way they parent their children, mm. that when I see it, I learn from it. And so yeah. it's not something I'm corrected on, like mm. like you're saying. It's actually something when I I witness it, yeah, it shapes me, yeah, and uh, I grow from that. Yeah. Just just the experience of seeing it in someone else, yeah. yeah. Uh, because we're around each other and we spend time together. And so that, that'd be another almost diagnostic. Like, are you learning? Are, yeah. are you exposed to the way other people are living their lives differently than you? And mm-hmm. is it shaping you? Yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah. Let, let, me, give you a, let me give a quick example of that. Go. Yeah. Because this, this stood out to me, and this happened probably 10 years ago. We were at Red River Barbecue eating. And with a, a friend who come into town, used to be in our small group yeah. b- before they uh, moved to Phoenix. And he, he came into town, and it was me and him and my son uh, eating dinner. And when we left, this friend of mine complimented me in front of my son. And that was huge. Yeah. And so it was, it was an example. Sorry. That I've carried and try to imitate. Wow. Uh, and he discipled me in that moment. Mm. 
Man, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so just to wrap up our time, hyper practical here. If 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 someone's listening to this and it's just kind of the recognition through those diagnostics, they realize uh, I'm not. I'm not being disciple, at least not to the degree that I I want to. I'm I'm recognizing some of those deficiencies. Um, or I'm not pouring out. I'm receiving so much from other people, and I'm not. You know, it's like the the example of the Dead Sea, right? All of these different tributaries pour into it, but there's no outlet, and so nothing lives in it because the the salt contents is so high because there's all this inflow and there's just no no pouring out. That's what it looks like to be right the the life of a believer who continues to be poured into and never pours out. And so if somebody says that, then that's me. Then what do they do? Just get hyper-practical for a second. You're looking across the table at somebody and say, you need to do this. Yeah, uh, two things come to mind. If you need to be discipled and you need to build relationships around this stuff and not just the professional uh, mentoring you experience, then the vehicle we have for that is small group. Get in a small group. And if you've tried to get in small group before and it's not worked out or you've faced challenges, finding the right one, those happen. We don't talk about that maybe enough and acknowledge that that can happen. Try again. Don't give up. Don't uh, not do it because of whatever has happened or because you feel like you're too busy. Make the time. It will pay off, Mm. Uh, number one. Number two, if you look up and you realize... I'm not investing in anybody else. I would say, show up at Creek Kids and say, I, I would like to volunteer here. Mm. Uh, and it could be you start at the front door welcoming families as they come in, yeah. and it, then uh, you could end up in another place where you're pouring into young people. Yeah. What, what a place to start if you don't know what to do next and just invest in the next generation. Yeah. We so desperately need it. And I'll tell you just, you've heard me already say from experience, it happened for me. Yeah. And it shaped my life and it, it shapes the way I live today as a father and as a pastor and as everything that I am. And mm-hmm. so start that in your life. Turn, turn around and mentor yeah. or serve the next generation. Wow. Yep. And so, if, if you can get in a or when you get in a group, yeah. walk into that group and and encourage as you you guys share in group and pray for each other in group yep. encourage people mm. and um you know if, if you're you find yourself not pouring out well that's a good way to pour out is yeah. to to tell people what you see in them wow and how you appreciate what you see in them yeah yeah that's amazing Guys, this has been really rich for me. So I know it's been really rich for those that are listening. If you're mowing the grass or driving to work or whatever, and you're listening to this, I hope this has just wrecked you in the best way, like it has me. So thank you both for your honesty, your vulnerability, your experience, um, for sharing your heart, and for the work that you do to help shepherd this congregation, these congregations of people at Clear Creek Community Church. It is um, completely and totally worth time. So thank you. And to those listening, thank you for joining us on the Clear Creek Resources podcast. You can find more resources on our website, clearcreekresources.org. Man, it's been good, guys. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks. See you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Thanks so much for joining us today.